On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about how programmers can be an asset, they can be a business partner, and they can help projects be more profitable, be more successful, and they could even make some people happy. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 108. $3 and a ho-ho. Welcome to A State of Control, an Aviation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about how programming could provide added value, not just from what you can see in programming, but how programming could be used to make a project more successful and make uh, clients' uh, needs more satisfied. And uh, with me to address that are uh, two returning guests. But before we introduce them, I get to say hello to my partner here at Estate of Control. He's none other than Rich Fergosa, and we call him Uncle Richie. Hey, Rich, how are you? Good. Happy uh, summer Thursday. I don't know. It's summer for the kids around here, so even I'm losing track of time. But it's good to see you. I'm glad to see that you're looking rested. So I wasn't expecting you to be looking this rested so far. So congratulations again. So, you know, the the times keep rolling along. But no, I'm I'm glad to have have some homies on here. So absolutely. And uh, without uh, further delay, I get to invite back two old friends. Uh, First of them has joined us last on our uh, memorable 100th episode. He is Mark Lavecchia from BMA Software Solutions. Mark, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, brother. Good to be here. Good to see all these faces. Glad to see that we're doing what we can to help show how beautiful your hair is. Because it's, as I'm looking at these guys, <laughs> you got the hair. I, <laughs> Thanks for having us. I'm glad I'm looking, looking forward to the conversation. I, I have the opposite effect of uh, it grows too fast. So I <laughs> uh, And the last but not least, uh, another friend and uh regular on our show. He's Mike Krejci and he's from CTI. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, Steve. Thanks to ha- uh, thanks for having me here. It's uh, always good when Mark and Rich and Steve and I can get together. Uh, we were just together in person a couple months ago, but uh, good to be here on the podcast this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this one I expect that uh, you guys are going to do most of the talking. Uh, just have some sneaking suspicion. Uh, so on today's show, as I mentioned, um, the AV industry it kind of views a AV programming as a bit of a burden and a cost often, you know, it's just a line item that has to be satisfied in a lot of projects and, and without a plan and without approaching things properly, it, it could be uh, a big thorn in some people's side. But today we're going to talk about some ways that we can approach things and get more predictable outcomes, look at how we can make some good decisions and look at how programming can be used as not only a feature within a system, but also as a uh, tool to be able to make projects go smoothly and easily and, and more profitably. Um, so 
Rich, we're, we've been having this conversation for a long time, and I probably start off a lot of these podcasts this way, because uh, you and I have been doing this for a while, and, and I know that you're really big about getting involved in a project and really kind of setting the tone and letting everybody know what's their place and, and, what, and what you need from them when you're doing programming, because sometimes the programmer has to be the quarterback. Um, what, what are the ways that we can really look at educating either clients or integrators or just uh, other AV professionals on how to uh, making good decisions to approach their programming. That was like the most polite way I've ever been called a, a raging control freak by, by anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means that you're good at what you do. Do what I say and everybody's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, a big part of it, you know, I found over the years comes down to trust. You've got to trust your teammates. And in an environment where sometimes you're coming in and, and everybody's got their own different stake or feeling like if they give way to one company or one individual, they're losing their secret sauce or their pull or, you know, the, the, the hardest problem that we've always run into when we, we step into a project, because more often than not, we step into a project when it's uh-oh time. Um, I don't, you know, I, I haven't built a career on being able <laughs> to show up at the beginning of a project. I've, I've, I've built my career showing up at the end of a project. Everybody's going, okay, here we go. And, uh, you know, I mean, the plate's already shattered. Now I'm sitting there going, grabbing up the pieces and, and, and gluing it together. Um <sighs> Being able to handle the psychology of the room and the team is the first part as a programmer. And, and, and as weird as it sounds, given that, you know, the programming community isn't necessarily the most extroverted in that case. But from a business standpoint, you have to have an understanding of the psychology of group dynamics and, and how to enroll and enlist and, and create a spirit of core. And, and a big part of that comes in from, from the beginning saying, look, man, you guys already know what you're doing. You're already pros. I'm not here to tell anybody who's doing anything wrong. And, and, and it is, it's that first meeting, you know, something's here. We just want to get done. You know, we, we say it all the time. Like everybody wants to get in, get out and get paid. It's all we're here for. Um, so based on that, you know, you, you work backwards from the problem with everything. A lot of times, by the time you're at the decision-making process of a project, everybody's already stressed out because the, the design may have already come down, project's already underway, and next thing you know, it was like, oh, no, we got to program the system, and it's got to be ready, and they, they had a shareholders meeting next week. Awesome. Um, but a big part of it comes back into being able to pump the brakes in a way that doesn't make anybody feel like they're going to get blamed for what they've done so far. Um, and that just comes back to process, right? Hopefully, depending on if you're dealing with an integrator, whether you're in-house, whether you're a third-party person coming in and you're dealing with, you know, the integrator and the design team and the consultant and everybody else, um, it's a matter of just like literally establishing that, that whiteboard. And then Mark's kind of nodding his head because it seems so silly, but it really is just that moment of pausing, pumping the brakes and you know, Mark and I will use these these uh, sports analogies, is letting everybody know that it's okay to play within themselves, right? Um, a lot of times when a project gets sold, 
um, we call it hero ball, where somebody decides that this is going to be their stamp, right? This is this is going to be the thing that shines the light on them. And they sometimes start reaching for trying to hit a grand slam with nobody on instead of just trying to hit for a single and, and keep, we call it keep the line moving, right? Hand it over to the next person and get it through. And so, you know, a big part of the breakdown is not the technical. It really isn't. You can call a manufacturer. You can call another party. You can get other people involved. But the biggest part is getting people to learn that it's okay to collaborate because everybody's got these little sandboxes, even programmers, right? They don't get me wrong. I mean, programmers will sit there and kind of my precious the whole thing. And once you can get a team to let go of that, um, it's the easiest thing to do, but the most difficult to execute. Um, and that's something that you start as soon as you can to build your process as a company and then work on refining it as you introduce it to others. So, you know, I mean, I, I'd love to be able to say that it was just like, yeah, you know, tell project manager to do this and tell consultant to do this, but it's, it's something much more unnoticed. Um, and it, it's, it's what allows you to be a craftsman at what you do when you can get people to pull in the same direction. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really taking a book from the project management side first. Um, once you can take a book from there, then you can go ahead and get down to the deep technical side. Let me add something because I want to take this one step just before where Rich is, okay? Because Rich is, Rich is in the job. Right? We, we're, we're, we're involved now. Everything's going on. Uh, I would take it before then. And what I mean by that is uh, they, Stephen Covey famously said, seek first to understand and then to be understood. So a lot of what we try to do when we're working with, with a team that's putting in a system is to make sure that we understand what their goals are, what their schedule is, who the customer is, what's the scope of the project, and so forth. But the other part of it is they need to understand from us as well. And one of the problems that we have with programming in our industry is it's considered a lost leader to a lot of customers. It's just take the number buried in there. We'll figure it out later and we'll do it. And what I tell my customers all the time is do not do that. Before we get to where Rich is right now, where we're in the job and we're sitting around and we're collaborating, you need to come to us first and look at a number for the project. Because what, what a lot of people do, especially at an integrator level, they will go and they'll say, hey, I'm working on this project. They'll go into the programmer who's at a job site or in his office, or her office, and they'll go, hey, what is it going to take you to program this? And they'll look at it and they'll go, I could program that in a day. They go, great, one day service, and that's it, and they move away. And then they get win the job. They come to us and go, we have a project to do, but I've only got $3 and a ho-ho. And we're like, well, how did you get that number? Well, our, our programmer said it only takes a day. And you look at the job and you go, in theory, a day of programming, yes. But there's a day of project management. How many meetings are we going to have with the customer to put together the submittals to make sure that the functionality is right? Because if you want to avoid the record skip moment, then you need to have all of that defined up front, which is where our value comes in, because we've seen this and we've done this so many hundreds of thousands of times that if you listen to us and trust our process at the beginning, 
then there is no record skip moment. When I talk about record skip moment is, is what Rich mentioned in the very beginning. You think about uh, movies like Hangover or Ratatouille, if you've got children. Right? It always starts in the beginning with some crazy thing happening, and all of a sudden there's a little record skip, and you kind of hear in the background, you're probably wondering how we got here. And that is what Rich is talking about. Like he goes into a job and he walks in and nothing's working. Stuff's not ready. And you could just hear somebody going, you're probably wondering how we got here. But our answer is no. I know exactly how you got here. You got here because you absolutely positively decided that we were just going to be an afterthought. And we're not. And that you've got to be at the front end of every project, no matter how big or small. If you don't, then you're going to have that record skip moment, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it, and I often describe it as a game of telephone, right? You know, the salesperson talks to the client, you know, figures out what the client wants, and sometimes that's even, you know, a conversation internal of the client of what the client thinks they want, you know, with then the end user then passes to the guy who's going to actually buy the AV system, then that passes from the salesperson to a design engineer who puts together all the parts and the pieces, that then gets another conversation back to the project manager, then finally gets over to the programmer. Well, this is what we think the customer wants. Well, it's been pulled six different times before it finally got to us what it wants to do. And we get on site and they go, that's not what we wanted. Shocker. You know, there's no surprise there, right? If we're not involved up front and in that whole conversation from the start, from the middle, the beginning, the end, we are at that record skip moment that Mark and, and Rich have been referring to of, whew, how'd we get here? Oh, I know. We we haven't talked to anyone. You left us out of the conversation. Well, with that, uh, Mike, I'll kind of let you keep elaborating. Um, knowing what you want, obviously, is one part of it. And then being able to do it with the system that's provided can be a, a different story. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, especially since you're, you're kind of on the inside, we have a little bit more control over that. Those of us that are independent or, um, you know, work, uh, uh, we, we are, are not, uh, can influence the design per se, uh, have uh, a little bit more at a disadvantage. I think the biggest thing for us as programmers is the feedback loop, right? Back to the sales team, the specifiers. Uh, you know, for us, it's an internal conversation, but, you know, for Mark, you know, Steve Rich, working with third-party integrators, it, it's then a link back to the integrator. Hey, this part did not work as well as we would hope it would work. Let's not use that one going forward. This thing, man, it was easy. It took seconds to configure lit right up no problems controlling it we can control that all day every day go ahead and use that again that feedback loop back to uh back to the specifiers who are picking the equipment who are you know working on that side right it, it that's not my realm i'm not talking to the customers every day and selling them equipment but i can go hey we just use this this widget over here and it did not work you know if we could avoid that on future projects, that'd be great. And, you know, there's lots of reasons, you know, equipment's chosen and, you know, who brought us the lead, who, why we're doing it, you know, you know, conversations that we're never going to change some, some decisions there, but as much as we can try and influence them, it's great. And, you know, I've had conversations where I'm like, Hey, pull this piece out and put this piece in. Well, that's excellent. That's $500 more money. I'm like, okay, 
great, that's $500 more in equipment. But it's going to save me 10 hours in the field. 10 hours in the field, whatever your rate is, right? whether you're in California, you're in, you're in Missouri, you're in East Coast, West Coast, you're in Canada, wherever, five, 10 hours of programming equals a sum of money. Whatever that money is, it equals a value in equipment. So don't be afraid to pull out equipment to save labor. And I've told people that. And it, 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 it's hard for them. They go, well, that's an actual dollar amount. Yours just hours. No, it's it's money. It, it's money there. <laughs> I trust, trust me. Um, but I think that's the big thing is, you know, when it comes to making those decisions is, is being having that feedback loop in the conversation. If you don't have the conversation, you just go, okay, well, I guess I'm programming this thing and it's, it's going to be a pain and it might not work. All right. And just go to my keyboard. Then you're never going to make your situation better. Mark, I know you're familiar with this and it's kind of like a classic um, situation where you're, you're presented with something that you probably are going to be more expensive or you're going to, uh, you know, too much, let's say to, and, and know that it's going to take more work. Um, what, what's the best way of going about that? Because, um, there's always going to be somebody who's going to get lured in and is going to say that they can get it done either cheaper or easier. But in the end, uh, is that really, is that reality? And, and, you know, it, how, how do we do a better job of having those conversations so that um, the, 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 we can have those learning moments that Mike's discussing? I think the first step is when you're approaching a project. Uh, somebody's approaching you with a project, okay? I work exclusively with integrators, okay? So when they come to me with a project, who's coming to me with the project? Is it the engineer, project manager, or is it a salesperson? That right there is the first thing you need to identify because a salesperson, and I know this because I am one. So if you get pissed at me for being making a joke at salespeople, I'm making fun of myself. Okay. But they have one thing in mind, and that's winning the job. They know they're up against other people, they know their number needs to be competitive. And so they're like, uh, okay, here's what we're doing. Perfect example. I have a project right now that we were approached with a bid where there's equipment in there that I know, I know, we don't want that equipment in there. And they went, and I said, if you want, let me give you some options. Look at these options. These are going to be better options for you. And they came back and said, but they're more expensive, exactly what Mike was just saying. And I'm like, okay, listen, here's the thing. You're, 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 you're going to lose a lot of money on this when we're not done on time. And you can't just pick up the phone and go, well, Mr. Manufacturer, you screwed me up on this project, so I want money back. It doesn't work that way. You you have to be able to identify up front what's the best solution. But then you need to be able to sell that solution. If you're going in 100% based on the fact that you're just trying to have the lowest number, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not your guy. And I'm pretty sure... No one on this thing is your person. We're not going to be your low-cost leader. What we are going to do is make sure that the, the project, the equipment, the scope, the process is all set up for you to be successful. So when it comes to the end of that project, nobody's walking in and saying, what is this? I didn't expect this. They're saying, that's exactly what I expected. And this is a great job, and we can't wait for you to come back and do the other rooms. 
That's what we refer to or used to as restaurant businesses, which lose on a merry-go-round. They make up on the carousel. Okay, maybe you're not going to make the margins that you want in this job, but there's bigger stuff ahead. And if you take care of the customer by planning the work and then working that plan, then you're not fighting for numbers anymore. You're established as an authority and as a really good company to do business with that they can rely on is there with you. And that's the difference. If you're going to be, and I say it all the time, if you're coming to me because you need me to beat a number, I'm the wrong guy. So somebody, there's somebody out there with a laptop and a cell phone more than happy to sit there at a rack and bang you away for, you know, a hundred bucks an hour. We're not your guy. We want work that makes sense and that leaves our a, a, a positive impression on the integrator, on the programmers, on our industry, on our industry, because that's not what they're looking at when they try to sell it at a, at a price point. So Rich, uh, I'll kind of loop this back around to you and, 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 um, uh, being that you know, a lot of times you walk into these difficult situations, do you, do you find that the that that the takeaways and and when you're done, that those lessons actually impact the next project, or do do the same problems seem to, uh, to exist time and again? I think the same problems are going to exist time and time again. Just because you've been through it a dozen, two dozen, hundreds of times doesn't mean the team that you're meeting has gone through it before. Uh, it might be a new PM, might be a new salesperson, might be a new integrator. Um, you know, it, it's, but that's the point in that, and it's part of what Mark was talking about that he, he didn't necessarily allude to it completely, which was the more you do this and the more you have success doing it, that's your calling card for the people who haven't done it because they go, well, it's too expensive. Let me show you four different projects in the past six months. Here's what happened, okay? Now, do you have any projects that you've had that experience on? No, this is the first one like this. Okay, so I've done four. <laughs> you've done none. Here's how we reached it, and here's how you think you're gonna reach it. Now, you can afford to be optimistic, that's one route, or we can go through X. My calling card is exactly that, right? You know, it's even written on like my specs. You know, it is, uh, this is based upon our experience with projects of this size and scope, dot, dot, dot. Simply saying, been there, done that. I am trying to prevent you from stepping on the same landmines that I've done. I'm sorry, Richard. I think it's important too to be able to say, and we don't do this very much, but we should is, and if you are not going to let me show you how to get out of this mess, I'm not interested. I'm out. Yeah. Find someone else. And then when you find that someone else and then a month from now, you're still in that situation. My numbers just double, man, because like now I'm really cleaning up a mess. We have to be able to say no. So people will understand that what it really what was really at stake for them if they don't listen in the beginning. When I'm dealing with end users, I have a say this every single time and it's probably not earned me friends every once in a while, but I'm like, I got a choice. I can be the first guy or I can be the third guy. I will not be the second guy because the second guy inherits the sins of the first, but none of the money. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> By the time you get to the third guy, all the mistakes have been made. Everybody's figured it out. Now the third guy and can go no and, and there's no money left. So the third guy comes in. <laughs> okay, 
Are we going to finally learn our lesson here? But that is the fiscal reality of it. And and uh, and again, I, I deal in resi, you know, as, as much as I do commercial. And, you know, we've, we've kind of reached this 50-50 split, but it's really not that different in the fact that, you know, the money's still the money. There's still somebody who's going to say, hey, why are we spending this? You know, and so whether it's coming out of somebody's personal account or it's coming out of a budget, there's still somebody there who signs a check that says, what did we spend this money on? And you guys better have some good answers for it. And so, again, the programmer's role is as that ally saying, you know, again, we're we're Switzerland. That's why we don't sell equipment for a reason, right? I, and I tell everybody, I'm like, I don't have a dog in this in this race for a reason. We do not want to provide equipment because we want to be able to sit and focus on the result. If I tell you it's widget, you know, obviously we want to find the most economical widget, but whether that's a $50 widget or a $5,000 widget, when we say it, we say it for a reason. And it's because you've said X, Y, or Z. Now there's options. There's software options where we can make something dance. There's hardware options and our, and our feeling has always been and like in working with the integrator again, I'm like, Hey, look, man, if you trust me, I'm going to sell stuff for you. I'm your best salesperson. Cause I'm already in at this point. And, and, and you can go ahead and say, look, there's always software solutions for something, but software solutions are fickle. We're going to focus on a hardware solution because if you can get something that's purpose built to do X, can be a whole lot more effective than trying to get us to dance around. And like Mark said, you know, it's like, yeah, well, it can do it. It's not the right, best idea, <laughs> but, but it can do it. And I would say from the, from the commercial side too, I don't play in the residential side like Richie does because anybody that's got that much money to put audio video in their house has two or three lawyers on speed dial. So I stay out of that world. But with the commercial world, what I, what I, what I promote all the time to our customers is I am your, and this, you have to have this language with them because they truly understand it. I am your margin protector. Okay. That job was sold and it was sold marked up and that markup is the margin. And that's what they're counting on making on this project. And the minute things go sideways, the first thing that happens is those margins reduce and nothing makes a salesperson get all tweaked out than watching their margins get reduced because a lot of times they're paid based on the percentage of margin of a project. So we go in and go, look, we're going to protect your margins by planning everything and showing you where the right steps are and showing you right equipment, maybe making a change here or there. Yeah, that piece costs a little more, but it's going to save us time over there. And if you follow this, we can protect that margin for you and get you out on time. That's a language we don't use very much in our business because we're, we're, we're not we, but you guys are all geeks, right? Because you're all programmers. So you don't talk in terms of margins, but I grew up in the margins world, and that's where everybody lives in our business. No margins, no business. Protect the margins, which we can do. Then we bring a value to the table that before nobody understood. Uh, and the more we talk about margins to our customers, the better they're going to appreciate where we're coming from, I think. I just want to touch on one other thing that I think is important. And Mark, you and I talk about this a lot, and, and I'm sure that, that Mike and Rich can weigh in as well. But there's also some ways of approaching programming that you can make programming be an ally in terms of maybe I am able to program one system and you can get multiple solutions out of it, or you can write code a certain way so that it's easier to maintain and, and update or modify. 
just talk a little bit about that. And I, I'm, I'm going to have, um, um, I think we should all weigh in because I think it's not, uh, is, it's always behind the scenes and it's not something that uh, is, is appreciated as much as it should be. I'm going to jump on, on, on Mark before he jumps on me on this one. This was episode, oh, no, this comes. was episode one of being a, accused Shave of Shave Ash. Shave Ash. such grief after that episode. Shave Ash. Gave away the secret sauce and Richard was like, what? <laughs> but yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's true. Mark said it earlier. And again, like I said, I would, I would rewind about like 15 minutes and listen to Mark and, and what Mike are saying. But he came up with a great point, which was, um, you know, the, the whole point about this is fine, is getting with your integrator partner or your, your you know, whoever your enterprise partner is that you're working with and doing right by them on that first one. Because once you do, it's like, you know, we, we had one right now. We um, I'm working for a state organization and little training room, you know, and it was doing the training room set up a remote zoom session while we were testing everything. And, you know, as conversations happen where everybody there, the decision makers are coming in and like had all kinds of fun with the training room. Everything worked out the way it was supposed to doing the final walkthrough and the decision makers come through and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, did you know that we're building a building next door with 24 meeting rooms? You know, I mean, it, and it was, and, and the integrator who I helped out was the third person that was called because the other two weren't picking up the phone. And, and that's kind of that point, which is the, you know, and they call me and they're like, hey, we're in a bike, which I'm like, yeah, let's go. And it, and it was, you know, it was a, it wasn't a sacrifice, but, but there was an investment of goodwill. You have to be willing to invest goodwill into your partners, whether it's the customer partner or your integrator partner. The goodwill that is generated from doing you know, and then this comes back to ethics and where you come from and abundance. And, you know, like if you put out, you get more. And, but but I believe in it. I believe that in when you have that little nagging part of the back of your brain that says, I know this is what's contracted. I know this is all that they could afford. But I know what I can do. And it's not going to cost me that much more to do the right thing. I need to do the right thing. I need to do right by them. And when you take that approach of everybody's trying to do right by each other, I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten over the years where somebody will disappear for a year or two. And then it's like, all of a sudden, hey, Rich, you know, again, we're, we've got this X, Y, or Z. I've had it happen with Facebook posts in, in restaurant groups where somebody's like, I've got an issue and can somebody do something? And I'm like, yeah, I've figured it out and they call and I, and I, it takes me 10 minutes of my time for something they've been struggling for for days and I built friendships and business relationships out of focusing on trying to do right by others and you and I, I've said it so many times you can be a good person and a good businessman at the same time they're not mutually exclusive from one another and if you approach that with with you know with your relationships and it ties exactly into what Mark's saying which is just do right, you know, and yeah, maybe you lose a little bit here, but are you really losing given what is the opportunity cost down the line by making everybody else look good? I have a little bit different take on it, but um, when I'm, first of all, we, like I said, we deal strictly with integrators. 
And the first conversation we have with an integrator approaches us is, I'm not interested in onesie twosie. If you have a job and you need a room program, I'm not your guy. Okay, I can do it for you, but I'm not going to be anywhere near your numbers. That's not where my value is. Where my value is, is coming to you and saying, okay, what do you got coming up? What do you have? And I'm not sure. There's a difference here. I want to be careful. A lot of times people come to you and they go, I've got this red hot piece of garbage job and I need to get it done. And if we do, I got this other nice one in the future. That's not what I'm talking about. That's BS and everybody knows it. And I wish our industry would just cut that crap out. That being said, what I am saying is, what have you got that's like this? Okay. Have you designed this system for anybody else? Are there other rooms coming that are like this? Because that's where I'm going to help you. That's where we're going to be successful together. And I'll, I'll, without getting too deep in the weeds, Steve, you've seen me do this a million times, but I think it's worth doing. Here's the deal. You come to me with a job. We'll keep it simple numbers. You come to me with a job. I'm going to program it for $5,000. You're going to take that and you're going to mark it up $7,500. And you're going to sell that for $7,500 to your customer, just making numbers, okay? Now you come back to me and you go, okay, I've got another room like this for another customer. All I need to do is change the, the logo and a couple, a couple of displays and some things. It's gonna take me a half a day. I'm gonna sell that to you for a thousand bucks. You're still gonna sell it for $7,500. So your margin just went from $2,500 to, to 7,000 and you just absolutely increased their margin exponentially simply because you're talking in the front talking up front, you're talking about what other things they have going on, and you're kind of opening the kilt a little bit. Yeah, I know Richie, Richie kind of got cranky on me for save ads, but the reality is, if I say that, now what I do is I have a repeat customer. That's where the margins are. The margins are never in the first one, not for me or for my customer. The margins are always for the all of us on the next one and the next one and the next one. And it's such a great relationship. As a result for us, I'm not trying to boast, but I want to make the point, 100% of our work is word of mouth and referrals. We don't advertise, we don't market, we don't do anything. We've got five integrators that we've been working with for the last 20 years because this works. It works if you just take the time and talk and listen and work together and collaborate. But especially as Richie was saying, honestly, you got to be 100% honest all the time. The minute you're not honest, you have lost completely because you're going to get screwed somewhere along the way. Always be straight. Always be honest. Mike, I see you nodding. I jump in. No, there. I 100% agree, right? It's the consistency repeating the save as, right? Showing, you know, the first one we're never going to have, we're never going to do well on. Whatever it is, the first time we do any product, any part, any platform, we're never going to be there. But the second one, the third one, that's where we start making it easy. I can turn up a system in half the time the second time that I did the first time. The next one's going to be faster, more efficient. Uh, you know, as a as a team with uh, several programmers, multiple programmers, we then can schedule accordingly. Hey, this is just like something that that this guy did last week. We're going to put him on it th again next week, and he can do it even quicker so he can do three jobs next week instead of one job. Now I can have less program. Now I can have less people sitting in shop writing code, but still handle the same amount of work. And I don't know if you guys are having the same problem. It, I am. It's hard to find programmers, not hard to find work. <laughs> the work's going up, the programmer number is staying the same. So as more efficient as I can do it, you know, as a team of people, that's where I'm going. And, uh, you know, creating that group with that.
it's probably a good place for us to wrap this one because uh, I, I think that there's probably more to talk about. But but I think that that was a great positive note for us to to uh, to leave on. But uh, I I I hope that the audience can understanding and and can can uh, hear the passion in the fact that programming is something that can not only be a showpiece in a system, but it but it could also be a tool. For business and and I think that it, when a programmer is looked at in terms of a partner and an ally, there there's a lot of value that can come of that. So that was my takeaway from it. Now, thank you guys for being with, with us and being part of this conversation. Mark Levecchia from BMA Software Solutions. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about your company? Uh, just my website, bmasoftwaresolutions.com. Um, you could find me there. You could open a window and just hey Levec. You know, I might just call back, but um, my website's the best place. Excellent. And Mike Krejci from CTI, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about CTI? Yep, you can go to CTI.com, uh, find out about CTI. We're on all the socials, CTI AV. Uh, you can find me at uh, Mike Krejci on Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, and, of course, uh, Rich, uh, how can people get in touch with you, learn more what you're up to, and, uh, and any uh, final words on this one? Well, uh, now that I'm out of summer hiatus, uh, you can find us on our website, Fragosa Design. Uh, you can probably best find us on the socials, uh, at our Fragosa, on the various sites, on the Facebooks groups. Uh, also, if you need a need a hand or just want to say hi to a brother. Um, but first and foremost, as I always say, I hope the place that you find me the easiest is here on avianation.tv in our suite of shows that handles all of our verticals. Um, I'm going to let Steve deal with the other part of the introduction for Aviation and, uh, and and all of our adventures. But uh, but yeah, again, reach out. Um, but best places, please find us on the shows, find us on the site here. And uh, what Rich is alluding to is that we'll both be at CDN Commercial Integrator Expo coming up in September uh, the 7th through the 9th, as will uh, other members of Aviation. So please look for us there. Um, we'd like to see you in person. We have some stickers to give out. We have some, uh, like to take some selfies. And we just always like to hear from our listeners. And it, there's no other, no better honor than when somebody stops us that we haven't met before and they, they just say, hey, I wanted to say hi and like the show. So uh, please do that. To reach me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. Uh, my company, Control Concepts, controlconcepts.net. And I also do another podcast that this audience might be interested in called Ask the Programmer with my co-host, James King. So please check that out too, if you will. Um, while you're at it, if you can leave a rating or review or share your favorite episode, we always appreciate that. And we like to make sure that we're covering the topics that the industry is looking for. So uh, reach out to us, let us know what you think. And uh, if you're also interested in being a guest, we'll like to have you on. So, um, and as Rich said, uh, you can reach us at avnation.tv um, and also check out all the other shows. I have to give a shout out as we did in our last episode to our favorite producer, Mitchell Tulin, who recently uh, hosted Resi Week again. Uh, so please uh, check that one out as well as episode 390. And uh, I think he did a great job. So uh, hope maybe he'll even guest host here on A State of Control. Who knows? And with that, this has been A State of Control. 